Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. As you well know, we're in a sermon series. Let me tell you a story. Last week, Pastor John spoke about the shepherd who left the 99 to go after the one who was lost. Amen that we have a shepherd who will go after the one who is lost. Amen. But today our story is about how knowing the good shepherd leads us into the abundant life that we can enjoy, not tomorrow, not two weeks ago, but right now. Amen. Now, we're going to focus on how we can experience the abundant life that God promises us. Now, I'm going to talk to you about who the abundant life comes from, uh, which is Christ Jesus, our good shepherd. And Morgan is going to share about how we live in the abundant life right now and how to share it with others. So we, before we go into the text, I've got a question for you. Who wants the abundant life that God is promising you? I just want to see a room full of hands. Amen? Amen. But do you feel that you are experiencing that abundant life right now? And I know that I can tell you that there are many times in my life that I feel the abundant life that God has for me right now, but there are times that I do not. Uh, Can I get a witness in the house? And I can tell you that I'm sure that if I were to ask each and every one of you what the perspective is that you have on what an abundant life is, I would imagine that we would come up with different answers, right? I want a Corvette. I mean, mean, wait a minute. (laughs) Um, What I want to talk about today is the abundant life that Jesus Christ is talking to us about in this particular text. Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that I might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, unlike the thief, the thief comes to take from you for selfish reasons, but not our good shepherd. He comes to give and not get. Is anybody here in the house willing to receive what God has for you today? I am tired. I am tired of the world taking what God has for us. And what does he come to give us? Well, I'm glad you asked. He comes to give us life in him that is meaningful, purposeful, joyful, oh, I love joy, and eternal. Guess what? We are more than flesh and blood, y'all. The Word of God says that we were created in God. That means that we are more than flesh and blood. When we leave this earth, our spirit is going to rest somewhere eternally. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in heaven with my God. I want to be in paradise that he has created for me. He said, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if it would not be so, I would have not told you about it. 
So as we look at the text, we can see that Jesus was a great storyteller and teacher. In fact, as you read all through the Word of God, over and over and over again, Jesus is always telling us stories. Why? He gives comparisons because he understands that bringing a spiritual truth to the natural mind is going to take more than just the story, okay? What he wants to do is he wants to take something that's happening in the natural and compare it to what's happening in the spiritual so that we can understand. God wants us to get it. It says, in all you're getting, get understanding. So I want to tell you a little bit about shepherding, all right? Shepherding was a very familiar practice at the time that Jesus was walking this earth. In fact, many of the people that were listening to his stories were caring for the family flock. So to help us understand his divine purpose and plan, because he came and he wanted folks to know, I am the Messiah. And he wanted to have an intimate relationship with the people at that time because he knew who he was and he knew who they were. He was the good shepherd and they were the sheep. And so what does God do? Christ came in this particular text and not only did Jesus compare himself to the door, okay, that the sheep came in and out, in and out. A shepherd would be at that gate and in the morning he would want to release them out and at night he would want to bring them back in. So he compared himself to the gate, but he also compared himself to the good shepherd. So as we look at that, there are three points that I would love to share with you today. Felita, I see that you are not sitting in the front row for me to, you know, pick on. I don't know if you all knew, but my friend accidentally sat in the front row and didn't realize that I was going to call her up. So as you can see, she is not in the front row today. Thank you very much. (laughs) But I see that there are others. (laughs) All right. So here are the three points that we're going to discuss today. Jesus is the only way that we have access to the abundant life that God promises us. As God's children, we hear and we know his voice, trusting him to lead us in the right direction. Has anybody here ever taken the wrong direction? Have you ever turned the wrong way and you are at a point where you realize that you are not where you are supposed to be and you're like in the car, it! I took the wrong way. Well, I can only speak for me. It's happened many a time. Thank God for GPS. (laughs) He leads us in the right direction. Jesus, our good shepherd, promises to always be with us and protect us from our enemies. So let's go ahead and dive right into point number one. Jesus is the only way to access the abundant life that God promises to us. So more about sheep to understand this point. Sheep are confined within fences, okay? They are confined within a stone wall. And there is a very, very narrow doorway to let them both in and out. So when a shepherd knows that it's time for them to graze in the beautiful green pastures that he has, that he has found for his sheep, he will let them out. When he wants to take them to the cool clear water so that they can drink and be refreshed, he knows to lead them out from the sheep gate. But he also knows that at nighttime when they come to rest, anybody here like to lay their head down and be able to rest? It says that the shepherd leads them back in and then he actually stays within the gate 
to make sure that they are safe. So what is a door? Well, a door is an entryway. It's a place of access. It's a way in. It's a way out. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants you to know that there are things that he has for each and every one of you. But you've got to understand that the world is not going to be able to give you what God has for you. So go on and keep seeking the world. Go on and keep going on out there and looking at everywhere else but Jesus. But you are not ever going to receive what God has for you until you understand that verse 7 says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. In fact, Jesus Christ declares in John 14, 6, and let's take a look. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. How do you receive what the Father has for you? Through Jesus Christ. Amen? There's only one way. Do you remember as a kid when you would be running in and out the front door? Anybody here ever loved to go outside when you were a kid? Yeah. In and out and in and out. And my mom would eventually come and say, Bonnie, May, <laughs> make up your mind. Are you going in or are you going out? Well, why is it that I had the ability to access going in and out so freely? Because I knew who lived in the house. I had a personal relationship with who lived in that house and who owned all that the house had to offer. So I was able to go in and out and freely access it. Well, guess what happens? If somebody comes to that house, oh, come on with me now, somebody comes to the house and they don't have a relationship with who lives in that house, what do they got to do? A neighbor can't come into the house freely Right? Somebody who comes in who, who is not a neighbor, who, who comes to just knock at the door, they can't come in in the house freely because they don't have a personal relationship with who's living in that house. So I'm here to tell you it's all about relationship. And God loves us so much that he understood that because of Adam and Eve, we all were born into a sinful nature. And guess what? God, being holy and righteous, sin separates us from his presence. Sin separates us from what God has for us. So what does he do? Well, let's take a look. Romans chapter 3, 23 and 24. For everyone has sinned. Who is everyone? Raise your hand. Yeah, everyone. Not every. All y'all. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. What is God's glorious standard? If you have never understood, it is the Ten Commandments. That is God's glorious standard. So if you stand here today and you say, have you ever told a lie? You're a liar. If you've ever stolen anything, then you are a thief. If you ever loved anything or anyone more than God, then you have not loved the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If you have ever not treated your neighbor as yourself. So how many commandments is that? It is his glorious standard that we fall short from. Yet God in his grace, hallelujah, freely makes us right in his sight. Who here wants to be right in his sight? Woo! And who did he do it through? Jesus Christ. Who did he do it through? Jesus Christ. Who did he do 
Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. Oh, thank you, God, for the good shepherd. Thank you, God, that he stands watch over us as the sheep. Thank you, God, for the good shepherd that he would be willing to lay down his life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one, no one can come to the Father except through me. Let's move on to point number two. As God's children, we are able to hear and know his voice. Amen. Trusting him to lead us in that direction we already talked about, the right direction. Now, I'm here to tell you, I don't know about you, and I know that there are a lot of witnesses, but this life's a trip. Yeah, come on. Come on with me. It is complex, to say the least, with all of its twists and turns and ups and downs. And sometimes, I can tell you right now, I don't know, isn't it tough sometimes to know what direction that we need to go? Whose voice that we need to listen to? Everybody's talking. Twitter, Facebook. Snapchat, TV, books, friends, family, co-workers. There are so many voices. But guess what? There is only one that understands why we are here. There is only one that understands the meaningful purpose of why God created us. There is only one that can lead us into the joy-filled life that God has promised us. There is only one. For I go to prepare a place for you. I don't know about you, but when I leave this earth, I want to be in paradise. When I leave this earth, I want to be with Jesus Christ, who laid down his life, who sacrificed everything for me. You know, when I was praying about this message, some of you may feel like you have made some pretty bad decisions. You think that there is no turning back. Believe it or not, that is someone that may be here because we may not want to bring this message down, but there are people, right, who commit suicide. Don't they come to a place where they believe that they have taken so many wrong turns that there is no turning back? Well, I am here to tell you today that is a lie. I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care what direction you have gone. I am here to tell you that Jesus will what? Pick you up! Turn you around! Place your feet on solid ground. So don't you believe what that lie is telling you? You go straight to God and his voice will speak to you. And he will talk to you. He will walk with you and talk with you and make you his own. Amen? Amen. The word of God says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So how do we hear God's voice? Some of you in here may say, you know, I need help. I need to understand in this Christian walk, how do I learn how to hear him? Well, he speaks to us through prayer. Anybody ever been spoken to through prayer? But the main way is he speaks to us through his word. Psalm 119 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Why do we need light? So that we can walk the direction that God wants us to walk. We don't have to trip. We don't have to fall. God will take us where we need to go. 
And if we are searching for his voice, guess what? You're in the right place. Amen? You're in the right place. Tell your neighbor, I'm in the right place at the right time. The word of God participating in all of the small groups that Hope Elam has to offer, going to women's ministry, going to men's ministry. As we seek God, God will lead us. And you know what? We're not in this alone. Amen? And I love what verse 9 says. It says that he leads us in and out, in and out of green pastures. So what is that telling us? Well, I'm here to tell you, I don't know about you, but I can't sit all day and read the word. <laughs> I can't be at church all day. I can't be in uh, preaching all day. So what happens? In between that, what do we do? We what, wash the dishes? Uh-huh, uh-huh. We take care of our kids, right? Are you with me? Huh? We're going to work. Some people are mowing the lawn. Some are not. <coughs> Benjamin. Uh. might be looking to have to face going to a courtroom. You might be leaving here and going to the hospital, attending uh, to somebody in the hospital, but I'm here to tell you, that is the green pastures, is it not? Because as we go in and as we go out, the Word of God never leaves us. God's presence never leaves us. So no matter what we are feeling, no matter what we are going through, God says, I am with you always. That is your green pasture. So even if you take a wrong turn, the Holy Spirit says, I am right here with you. And guess what? I will help you. I will turn you back to the right direction because he loves us. So thank God right now that we have the promise that we hear his voice, that we can trust him to take us where he leads us. Amen. Point number three, Jesus, our good shepherd promises to always be with us. And protects us from our enemies. Uh-oh. 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 Here we go. You know how you watch any movie? Ben and I have been watching all of the uh, Marvel movies, and you always got a villain, right? Well, guess what? This particular story, we have one too. In verse 10, he says what? He says, and now the thief. Here enters the thief. Here enters the villain. To be able to come in and do What? What was he talking about? He said what? The thief is going to come to what? Still, kill, and destroy. What is he trying to kill, still, and destroy? Well, the purpose that you have in Christ. The relationship that he wants to have with you. The abundant life of being able to know that you can trust him in any situation or circumstance. But here's what I love. The shepherd lays in that doorway. And anything that comes to try to harm his sheep, guess what? The shepherd will not back down from a fight, even if it means that he must lose his life. So I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ says, the thief is coming to your house. You need to hear the truth. He wants you to know, so why? If you knew that a thief was coming to your house, would you prepare? Huh? Right. What would we do? We would lock the door. We would figure out what we need to secure the windows. Well, that's what Jesus Christ is telling us here. He says, listen, you need to understand. He said, I am the door. He said, I am the good shepherd. But he said, the thief is coming. And the thief is here to do what? To detour you from the truth of the word of God. 
to doubt him in any way possible. He wants to tell you that God is not who he says that he is. And just because you have access to the door does not mean that the thief is not coming. So go ahead and attend church and pray. He's coming. Go ahead and tithe. He's coming. Go ahead and cook the food and serve. He's coming. Go ahead and preach the word of God. He's coming. But I'm here to tell you this. I don't care what thief has entered into your home. Is your thief depression? Is your thief doubt? Is your thief that you have lost someone and you don't know how to work through that grief? Is the thief robbing you and stealing you of the peace and the joy that God has for you? Well, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to be very, very transparent and tell you that I'm not always prepared for the fight. I am not always prepared for the fight. There is some times that I feel vulnerable. Is there anybody in here that would say there are times that you have felt vulnerable? Sometimes you might even say, does God really understand what I'm facing? Oh, yeah, we do that. Job did it, didn't he? Huh? God wants us to be honest, but he is so good. Can I tell you that any situation and any circumstance, here is what his promise is. Are you all ready for it? Here's what God says. But I come. I come to give you life. And I come to give you more abundantly. Why is that so important? Because we are not in this fight by ourselves. You need to understand that as the thief comes and he is here to take whatever it is that God has for you, guess what? Jesus Christ will never back down from a fight. He is your good shepherd and he is here right now. He wants me to tell you, whatever is trying to kill you, whatever is trying to steal from you, whatever it is that's trying to uh, destroy you, I will come against it. Why? Because you belong to him. You are not sheep wandering around without a shepherd. He is a good shepherd, and he won't ever back down from a fight. You want to know how I know? Because he fought sin, and he won. He fought death, and he won. He fought hell, and he won. He's fighting for your peace. He's fighting for your family. He's fighting for your marriage. Oh, somebody ought to get happy up in here. He's fighting for you. Amen. I want to share with you the last piece. It is one of my favorite psalms, and I believe that it's so appropriate here, and I hope and pray that it blesses you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no enemy for thy rod and thy staff, your word, God, it comforts me. You prepare a table in the midst of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Not a quarter full, not half full, not three quarters full. My cup runs over. 
Surely, 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 God, your goodness and your mercy is following me every step that I take, everywhere that I go, your goodness and your mercy, it follows me. And I, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because my eternal salvation is secure. I go to prepare a place for you. Amen. I want you to welcome Morgan. She is going to come up and she is going to tell us how we live the abundant life that he has promised to us right now and how we share it with others. Amen. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for sharing of the Good Shepherd. Uh, this story is just so profound in the way that it speaks to me personally. I think when we talk about a Good Shepherd, while Bonnie was talking, this image just came to mind as we're talking about this thief, this thief that comes to kill, kill steal, and destroy. Whew. And when he comes, I think oftentimes we can look at scripture and be like, well, like no one's like stealing from me, like no one's destroying me per se. But I'd like to wonder what the status of our mind is. The enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, what he does is he looks at our mind as though it's that fence, that gatekeeping fence that keeps the sheep in, right? Those thoughts, if they are coming over the fence line, they're a thief. If those thoughts are coming over the fence line, they are a thief because they are coming not through Jesus, not through the lens of love, not through God's heavenly perspective, but they are coming over to distract us, to cause us to pause, to cause us to perhaps not participate. And so before we can actually get into the how of abundant living, we have to focus on the what. What does it look like for this thief to enter into our lives? So first and foremost, abundance. We can all have different definitions in different ways that we view abundance in our lives today. Someone might look at their bank account and say, I'm blessed abundantly. Someone might look at their extended family and say, I am blessed in familial relationship. Someone might look at their friends and say, wow, I'm blessed. Um, someone might, it's really where that value is placed, right? But it's looking at where that abundance is in our life. So as a whole, what does abundance mean? I went ahead on Google, just typed in, what does abundance mean? And it came out with a very large quantity of something. Quantity. So I'm thinking through and was putting together the slide and was like, okay, what, do you, what, what picture should I put there? I did this before the thought hit. Target. Target is what I should have put. Because you walk into Target and you're like, toothpaste, that's all I need. And you go out for toothpaste, and what do you do is you, you walk out of Target without the toothpaste. That's typically what happens, right? Um, in fact, we just were at uh, Dollar General the other day. Same thing happened. We walked in for, um, I don't know if anyone saw when we wrapped our coworkers' desks. We went in to get wrapping paper for that fun little moment to celebrate them and um, left with more than we needed, right? It's because there is that whisper in the world that we need more than what we have. We might need more money, more time, more status, but there's always that thought of, I need more. It's what I would call like a scarcity or a poverty mindset, that what I have right now is not enough. 
And when it comes to that thought process, I was sitting with the Lord thinking, okay, God, like when is a time in my life where like that's really struck me? Um, and my 20s were spent doing quite a bit of travel. Um, I graduated from university and took a traveling consultant job right out of college. So I was on the road for nine months and then I came back to Iowa for three months and then did it a second year, nine months, three months in Iowa, and then did a mission trip for a year, came back three months to Iowa. You're seeing a trend, right? For some reason, the Lord always had me come back here for about three months. In the beginning, it was really easy because I was reconnecting with friends. I still had built-in community here. Um, but as time went on, the longer I was away, the easier it was, it was for me to detach during that three-month period. If you can go to the next slide. I started to say this phrase. When I get to blank, then I will. When I get settled in my apartment, then I will press into what you have for me, Lord. Um, when I get to this uh, missions program, God, then, then we'll just, that, that alone time together in the morning, like it's going to happen regularly, I promise you, right? Like the when I get to, then I will, or here's another one for you. When I have, then I will. When I have something to give, then I'll give it, right? But here's the thing. We don't have a God that doles out in limits. He's an abundant God, right? And so having this mindset, what it did was it postured me in a position that I'd like to call existence, I was just walking around through my life, participating in the daily rhythms, going through the motions, really. Because in that three-month period, I'd maybe connect with a few friends in that first month or so. But the last two months were like, ooh, I don't know if I'll go to small group because, like, I'm heading out in a couple of months. Uh, I don't know if I'll, like, connect in this way because I, I won't be around for much longer. It was that mentality that actually sidelined myself because I was so focused on the future that I forgot the gift of the moment. This concept of more, I think, is a thief jumping our fence, saying that if you have more, then you will get the abundant life. Whereas God's promise is not more, but the moment. He's with us in the now. So where does this abundance in the now come from? Another area that I've noticed that I can fall into that trap of existence is um, in comfort. And this is one that if you really want a fun time in your quiet time with the Lord, just sit with him and say, hey, God, what makes me comfortable? And he'll tell you, and then you'll go, oh, I don't know if I want to let that go because <laughs> it's comfortable, right? So I asked the Lord, I said, hey, God, where am I comfortable? Because that seems to be the direction you're leading me in. And he said, um, you're comfortable in your alone time, and you're comfortable in your busyness. Let me explain. Uh, when I moved to Thailand, I lived there for a year. I got really used to living on my own. I got really used to like setting my own schedule, doing my own thing. I didn't have a lot of English speakers around me, and my Thai is atrocious. And so I really got used to just being me, just me and God. And it was okay. It was for a season, and it was really beautiful. Maybe some of you can relate with the pandemic. We've gotten comfortable 
in our own rhythms, in our own spaces. We like our home just the way it is. We like our schedule just the way it is because it's comfortable. But what happens when we live in this comfort is that we go beyond the invitation of solitude. Um, I joked in the first service for introverts in the room, I'm not telling you to go and become extroverts. Like that's not the invitation here. Everyone calm down, no tears. But my introverts in the room, what I'm saying is that solitude is a gift of connection with God. It's designed quiet time, sacred secret space with him to reconnect to our source. But, and the first service confirmed this, so I don't even need you guys to, but if you want to, that's fine. I heard once that with a cell phone, when you plug in a cell phone and it's already at 100%, what it actually does is it drains your battery in the long run. Okay? Alone time is the same way. When we decide to skip that line from solitude into isolation, we actually end up becoming more drained than we are refreshed and refilled. Right? If we needed to be connected at all times to the wall, a landline would still be a thing, right? And it's not. The phone has to go with us where God sends us, right? And that's the invitation for all of mankind, isn't it? It's to step out of our comfort and to say, God, where do you have me positioned to reflect you into the world? That second one that I said was busyness that I fall into the trap of, um, honestly, probably a low-key, like, It's an addictive property. We get addicted to our schedules. We get addicted to being doers, right? And we forget the value of being a human being. That was so cliche. But we are human beings. We're supposed to be in the present moment with the Lord, right? That's where we get filled up. That's where we connect to him. And so in my comfort of busyness, again, that thief came in. The thief came first with the isolation or the solitude, if you will and said, remove your physical body from the participation of God's divine dance. If you're not present with other people, then you can't actually do what God made you to do. The second side of it, busyness, it was my mind. I was constantly running through, oh, I've got to do this, and I've got to get this, the to-do list needs to get done, and I need to make sure that this is in the plan. And the thief came in and stole my presence mentally, right? I'd like us to take a moment just to read this scripture together because if, I I know we've heard it a few times this morning, but I just really want it ingrained on our hearts, okay? So together, if we can read this without this lovely Greek word, because the pronunciation is, it'd be fun to hear, but let's read without. So together, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy, but I have come to give you everything in abundance life in its fullness until you overflow. That's the promise from God, is that he has already given you abundance in the moment. It is the enemy, the thief who has come into your life and has convinced you that you lack. And where we might lack in the physical, God is overflowing our cup in the spiritual. He has something deposited in every single person in this room this morning for us to share. Every single one of us, the the gift of mankind, the calling of mankind is not to um, be a teacher or a nurse or a pastor or whatever it might be. Those things can kind of distract us from the overall calling of God, which is to be his image bearers. 
We are called to represent him here on earth so that we can, as Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, bring heaven to earth, right? We want to see his kingdom come. So are we participating? Are we listening to the thief and stepping out of the game? Are we sidelining ourselves? Or are we saying, you know what, God, I want to participate with you. I want this abundance. And so I have a question for you. What if abundant life is a promise of quality, not of quantity? What if abundant life is the love, the abundant love that God is bestowing on us, that he's wanting to pour into us to transform us in such a way that we reflect more of him into the world, that the quality of life around us actually can improve with a smile, with a kind gesture, with a word of encouragement? What if the kingdom of God can change because of the way that we say yes to the quality that God wants us to represent in the world? We know through scripture that this is a broken world, that is a fallen world. The invitation of God isn't to get through it. The invitation of God is to appreciate and acknowledge that there is an abundance present right now because we're connected to the life source. And so as Bonnie introduced me, how, how does this happen? Like, that's all great and good. And I can see where, you know, maybe I'm living in existence and not living, but how do I go about receiving this abundant life? I think the first way to do this is to slow down. We have, as Bonnie said, so many voices around us. So many. So many people are saying, do this, do that, be this, be that. But when we slow down, what we do is we reconnect to our life source and we position ourselves in a posture of gratitude. I can guarantee that when you sit with the Lord and find what you are grateful for, you will find where your overflow is. And so if you wake up in the morning and you're like, dang, I woke up pretty joyful today. Pause. Hey, God, who needs some joy today? Who do I get to send a text to and encourage? Maybe you got your paycheck and it had a little bit more to it than you were expecting, right? Hey, God, what are we going to do with this? Like, let's slow down. What are we going to do with this? He might tell you to put it in your savings. He might have something special in store for you. Or he might say, hey, you remember this person? Maybe bless them. Whatever it is, that slow down moment is an invitation to do number two, which is to listen, to listen to God's voice. We have to know and recognize the voice of our shepherd and that be the only voice that we follow. Otherwise, those thieves hopping are going to continue to steal from us, right? And so we have to be able to slow down, to pause, and to listen. Um, The best analogy I think I can think of is like a radio tuner. So you're in the car, pre-CD players, and you're tuning the radio right. And if you go too far to the right, you get some static. Too far to the left and you're salsa dancing, right? Until you figure out what that middle ground is, we have to be able to patiently tune our own personal radio so that we can easily recognize the voice of God so that when you are out of the pews and in the streets, when I am walking down the street, when I am in line at Target, wherever I might be, and I see something that maybe does a little gut check, maybe the person in front of me wasn't very kind to the cashier, or maybe I'm finding myself frustrated with the cashier, right? That gut check is actually Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 no. 
I created you in my image, and those things that you're seeing, those things that you're feeling are not of me. Step into who I've called you to be. I have to jump back because I forgot to say it. I had the Greek word on the screen, but it was perisos. I said it wrong, and I know for a fact I did. That word um, translated is extraordinary, uncommon. It's one of those things that surpasses expectation. You can go ahead and go forward again. Thanks for jumping back. With perisos, we have to be able to tune into the voice of God because he's actually called us to step out of the ordinary. He's called us to be extraordinary. He's called us to not be common, but to be uncommon in the way that we react to situations. The kingdom of God should not look like the earth because the earth is waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Is that right? But we can't stand back and say, hey, God, will you you do the heavy lifting? Will you do the work? No, no, no. He's invited each and every single one of us. He's deposited gifts in every single one of us that are gifts of overflow. They're gifts that are intended to be acknowledged as the abundant life that he's promised, not just for us to be full, but for the world around us to be transformed because we are constantly overflowing into the world around us, right? That's that third point is to respond. A world, our world reacts. If you've ever been on Facebook and a news posting happens, I'm not even kidding you, I think it's gotten down to 0.3 seconds after the news posting that someone has reacted to it. Am I right? As Christians, we're not called to react because we have a gatekeeper. We have Jesus. And so we have to take what the world feeds us and put it through the gate so that we can step into the responsibility, the ability to respond to the world around us and transform it for the kingdom of God. Amen? All right. So the how is here. Let's slow down, listen, and respond. The last thing I have for you guys is a piece of scripture from Romans. If we could just read it together. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy, because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We can now experience the endless love. We can now experience abundance. Amen? All right. The last note that I have for you all, it's a practice that I have with Scripture. As I'm reading through Scripture, something I like to intentionally do is sit with the Lord and just kind of like write my convictions as I'm reading through it. Because sometimes you read like maybe a different translation and you're like, I don't know, it's just not landing. But God speaks to us at all times. And so as I read through this scripture, this is what I felt like the Lord was saying. To live is to participate in this life. It's daily highs and it's daily lows. It's ups and it's downs. It's to not check out, but to engage with the world around us in a way that is extraordinary, surpassing expectation, and perhaps even uncommon. It's to reflect the character of God into the world so that we all can share in the hope that one day all will be made right. Not as some far off dream, but as we experience tastes of heaven today. God, you are so incredibly good as our shepherd, Lord. You know our deepest needs 
and you give us more than we could ever want. Lord, help us to just posture ourselves in gratitude. Help us to acknowledge the abundant life that you are giving us today. God, show us where the overflow is in our lives so that we can go out and not just walk along this life, but dive into what you have for us, God, that we can see our homes, our neighborhoods, our cities transformed. God, we have tasted bits of heaven in the communities that we have, in the dinners that go a little long, in the encouraging conversations we have with our friends and family, Lord. I just ask that those tastes of heaven continue to motivate us to taste more of heaven, to see more of your kingdom here on earth, Lord. Open our eyes, Lord. May we continue to look more just like you. If you guys would all stand for worship. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.